So if you're worried about the time, don't be, because if you know me, I'm a person of few words. <laughs> yeah, I was worried too. So just to catch up, I'll catch you up, those who, those of you who don't know where we're at, we're doing a uh, our sermon series is Tools of the Trade, and um, I feel like Matt always gives me the ones that I have no idea about that he thinks I know about, and so <laughs> yeah. Not the tools. Well, first of all, I changed Matt's picture because I think mine's better. Um, I think they're real tools. But these are the, um, the giftings or the tools, as we're, we're calling them, of the pioneers. So when Matt first uh, prompted me with this, I'm thinking, oh, I, I don't know how to talk on this. I don't even know what a pioneer looks like. And, and as I've sort of dug deeper, I've realised that the, they're all around us and that um, they're just a different facet of... Uh, of the fivefold, but a different facet of the body that we've already spoken about so much today. Um, and the two that I'm going to cover <clears throat> and the, the parts of those are the, you know, those, the apostolically gifted and the evangelical. I myself have had a lot of problems with these type of gifted people at times. Um, and I'll, I'll go down uh, that journey later. But I've, I've found it hard to relate to them. I've found that area uh, rather alien to me at times, even though... Sometimes people say, oh, that seems very, you, you seem very apostolic at this time or such and such. And I think I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'll do my best to explain this. Um, so these are just the definitions of the two. Uh, vigorous and pioneering advocate or supporter of a particular policy idea or course. So to me that screams out someone who's overly passionate and you often can't shut them up. <laughs> I've met people like that before. Evangelicals, I mean... Whenever we start, I know sometimes I just start moving away from them because I don't want to be drawn into the conversation that's so in, intense at times. And these people can't switch that off. Zealous in advocating or supporting a particular cause. They're sold out for this thing. And that's the gift mix that you, you find with these pioneers. A pioneer isn't someone who half knows where they're going or is half involved. Once they're set off, that's it. They're on the ship, it's sailed. There's no, I'm half home, they're gone. And that's the gift mix of these type of people. Uh, and I'll do my very best to explain this. So this verse here from Matthew, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of, of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. I know for a lot of us that incites um, or something within us. It's, it's very, um, I don't know, for me, it, it, it speaks to me. And I know that, I, I believe that that should speak to all of us and it should invoke something in all of us. But in particular, I think for the pioneers, this is like, almost like a mandate. When they hear this or see this, it, it really speaks to them. So if this, is, if this really speaks to you, I'd be interested to see um, what your gift mix is like and what maybe, and the interesting thing about gifting is it's not actually to do with you, it's actually about what God is trying to do through you. So if this speaks to you, have a good think about what things you might be needing to be pioneering or you're already pioneering. It might make sense altogether. But I rewrote it a different way to, <clears throat> to explain it. Well, to me, it made more sense. The kingdom of our father is moving quickly and the zealous grasp it firmly as though it were the very purpose of their existence. Now, if you can think of anyone that is apostolic or evangelical, you'll know that when they start, they can't stop and that that when you break that verse down, it's actually talking about this, the good news that, that, that Jesus brought and, and the, the, the good news of our God's kingdom. 
when it says that the violent take it, and it, it, it actually speaks in a way of like um, someone, like a predator hunting down their prey. It means that they're, they're not going to stop. They need it. And that's why I wrote it as they grasp it firmly. Once they've got it, that's it. And they're not half holding onto it. The ship hasn't half sailed. They're in it and that's it. And obviously there's, it ebbs and flows, but it seems like it's their very purpose. And that, I suppose, makes a lot of sense. It's why we're alive. The grasping of his kingdom glorifies him. And I believe that's why we're here, to glorify him in any way we can. So when I sat and thought about what it means to be um, a pioneer, or what it, what, it, uh, what it looks like, I realized that there are a heap of things that God's already revealed to me. And then he continued to reveal to me later about um, the things that, well, they're almost non-negotiables or fundamentals of uh, a pioneer. And the first one that really came forth was they need to be sent by the Father. That when you're pioneering, um, obviously there's grace when you get it wrong, but when, he send, when you pioneer for God, you're sent by God. And you're not sent by or, or come from an idea that you think might be good or, or might, might work because it's a, it's a need. You're sent by the Father, and that's how pioneering works. Because there's heaps of good things we can be doing, but we have to be sent by God. And that's what, that's what really matters. And that's because there's a heap of really, as I looked into it, there's a heap of really wacky ideas out there of people's experience and what uh, the greater powers of the faith people have worked out that an apostolic person needs to have. I believe you need to be sent by our Father. It's pretty simple. He's the one who gives the gifts. Um, Ephesians 4.11 talks about the fact that God's the one, the whole same spirit is the one that, that divvies these gifts out. That's why we can't say, why does Callie have something that Sophie doesn't? We, we don't have that ability to ask that question. We didn't give it. We just receive it. I believe that the same spirit that gives it is the one that sends it, sends you where you're going. So I can't stress that enough. In these pioneering people, fear has to always be answered by faith. This is a really hard one because I suppose it's very personal for people. If you're, uh, I don't know, it's really, this is, uh, I found this one, I thought this was going to be a hard one to explain because every time there's a fear, it's, everyone thinks that the opposite of fear is doubt, but it, uh, sorry, faith is doubt, but it's actually your fear. And I don't believe you can move forward at all in these giftings without a multitude of faith. And whatever God is trying to, what he's, where he's trying to move you, you need to move in faith. And fear is the, the thing that's going to stand in the way every time will be your fear. Every time you feel, if you feel prompted in this way and you feel fear coming, you have to answer that with faith. Often these people are carrying a truth much larger than themselves. And uh, this is the bit that I find hard to connect with sometimes. And I'll explain it later, but... There is the space that they're in and then there's the truth that they're carrying and sometimes they don't add up. I've got an example later and I'm going to get someone up to talk with me about it and it's a perfect example, but they have to carry this truth of God that seems unfathomable, impossible. And if they don't carry that, they can't pioneer to anywhere. It's, it's, the, it's the going to somewhere they haven't been. It's the, the carrying something that is not yet tangible in a lot of, in a lot of circumstances. When this church was started, well, before it was started, there was nothing. So there was a, 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 a grander vision that didn't yet exist. And if we only go by what we have or know, well, nothing, will ever, no, nothing will ever be pioneered, ever. They have to be king, kingdom orientated. And what I mean by that is that when uh, we were taught how to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is like 
utmost importance. If they're not kingdom orientated, God can't do what he needs to do through you. And this was, this was really challenging for me because I realized there's a heap of parts in my life that aren't kingdom, kingdom orientated. Now, I know that we all have those things, but if you start to have a look at your own giftings and things that God wants to do, to you, do with you and through you, you have to realize that there's areas that he's going to want to work on and that there's things in his nature that will bring you to a place of him actually breaking things in your life. And sometimes, um, another personal thing, sometimes well, earlier in this year, God showed me, or I would often pray to God and say, help me to love Sophie more or show me how you see her. And I thought that God was going to drop some revelation on me. No, instead he started smashing things in my life that weren't helpful. <laughs> and I didn't like that. That wasn't helpful. Well, I didn't think that was helpful. I thought I was going to get a new fresh set of eyes. Instead, he just started breaking things. He started smashing things that I found very comfortable. And I realized that those things weren't king kingdom orientated. They had to go. It sucked. It still sucks. But every time, so, and then I've heard people say, I, I, I once prayed for humility and I'll never do that again. I'm terrified now of the destructive ways of God in a, in a good light. But for the first time, I struggle now sometimes to pray certain things because I know they're going to happen. Please, God, help me love Sophie more. Bang, 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 bang. And I don't know who I am anymore. And then I start working it out and I say, okay, God, show me if any of these are my giftings. Please help me to be kingdom oriented. And I was praying this yesterday. I was saying to Matt through the week, um, I realized that if, if you carry any of these giftings or you, you want to do these things, you need to be in a place where your heart is just focused on God and you are solely kingdom orientated. I've got five days to do this now. I've got five days to become, to give this sermon well for his glory and not my own glory. I now have to become kingdom orientated in five days. It's not going to happen solely. But what I realized is there's a heap of me that isn't just for him. And if we're serious when we ask him, come and break this or come and, come and fix this, come and make me more like you, it's a really good and dangerous thing to say. But it's worth it in the end. And it, it's extremely challenging for those of, um, I suppose, earlier in the faith because it's, it's terrifying at times, especially when the things that you thought were you, God's saying they're not you. And the things that you are comfortable in, he's saying you shouldn't be comfortable in. You, you can see that in every, you can all look inwardly and you'll be able to see that at times where God's done things. And he will smash every, uh, every cistern, every, every wine, I don't know what the biblical language is. He'll get rid of it all if it doesn't carry his life in it. So just be careful, but journey that journey, okay? Remaining teachable and humble. This is huge. This is one of the reasons I was worried about giving this sermon is because I know that if this sermon was heard by a lot of apostolic people, this is a scary thing for them. How do you... Because it, it, as we'll, we'll journey later, it says that the, the apostles come first and then da-da-da-da-da. Well, that means that there's some hierarchy that God has somehow developed and I'll explain that a little bit more later. But you see this thing happen where... God anoints someone and then these amazing signs and miraculous things follow them and then all of a sudden they're now on a different level to you 
in their own mind, our own heart, and that's not okay. We're meant to be together. We're meant to be in community to be, to be able to rebuke each other and say, Sam, come up to me and say, Joel, you talk too much about yourself or you, you do this and, you, and, and in love, obviously. But this, I think, is a really hard one because if you're in a position of leading, it's incredibly humbling for someone who that you're leading comes and tells you, you need to think about this. God's revealed this to you. And I've seen it before where the people higher up go, you can't speak to me like that almost. Or unless you're another pastor, we can't have this conversation. If you haven't been to Bible college, um, you don't know what you're talking about. And there seems to be this superior, it, it's a trick. It's a real trick and it's, it's the enemy's way of separating you from what God really wants you to do. And the fact is, none, none, no one is greater than the other and we're just different, different facets of God's kingdom. And yes, I found this one really, really uncomfortable because I realized that even in this room, I'm speaking to people much further ahead in their faith than me as well and further in their experience even in these giftings. But above all else, we need to remain teachable and humble or we're going to fall apart. That's where pride gets in and that's it. It's done. And the moment we are not teachable or humble, we aren't giving glory to God anymore. It's done. And that gifting will fall over every single time. And you can only operate in your own strength for so long. And, and the way you know, God made you and, you and you are like that. But the moment you become you know, full of pride, it's going to fall over every time. Um, and and we, there's, there's hundreds of examples of that. So these, these are the, the second half of what I believe God was showing me were the, the enemies of the pioneer. So young, young people in this room, if you feel any of this welling up inside of you, as I get further down, there might be some things that you think are similar to you and, and older people that might have already journeyed some of this. Watch out for these things because these are the things that even in my short walk that it is, to time I've been able to spend in this, I've, I've seen this stuff and it, and it destroys your ability to move forward and your ability to, to do what God wants you to do. And that's why we're here. So we've got to keep remembering that it's for his glory. It's not about our falling over. It's about his glory. And the moment these things get in, we lose our ability to, to bring him glory. So the experience substituting for truth is the biggest one. It's one of the big ones. But the moment we start to go, I've seen this, but God's word says that, but it didn't really happen. I saw this and that now becomes your truth. You're in the wrong place. And that's not a good place to be in. And what I mean by that is uh, stuff around healing, deliverance, um, the fact that that some people say, oh, you, you know, our friends from Bethel and from YWAM, they come back with a different zeal about them. And they're surrounded by people that speak in a way of things that could be that aren't currently occurring. And other people say, well, you can't speak like that because, you know, you can't see it or, you know, that's not what God really meant. You know, it was just contextually... And, and somehow, sometimes, and sometimes it is contextually and sometimes it does take, we have to put a different scope on things. But there is definitely a time, and you will notice it, young people, if you look carefully, where God says something and it's written and it's very clear. It's in red. Jesus said it. And someone says, oh, but I've experienced this. Oh, this person wasn't delivered or this didn't happen. We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and, and, and they still died. Or that we prayed and prayed and prayed and, 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 and things still fell apart. It doesn't change God's truth. It doesn't change it in any way. It just 
It's just our experience and we can't see the grand picture. And I promise you by the end of it, even that experience that went wrong will still bring glory to God in the end. We just can't see it. And that's okay. It's okay to not see it. It's okay to not see healings when you pray for it. We don't understand how God works in his ways. That's okay. He loves us enough to not let us understand everything or we'd explode. Young people, when you, when you hold on to a truth and you find it, don't let anyone put their experience in there and tell you that's not how it works. Remain teachable and humble, but when you get that truth and God says, oh, I've spoken to so many adults to say, when they were younger, they really believed this stuff. and They used to worship differently and they, they really prayed differently. But then it changed. You know what? The world gets in. You become an adult and experience becomes truth. That's not true. That's crap. Okay? And it's not how it's meant to be. If you see it and you feel God saying to claim it, claim it and go with it. I'll, I won't jump ahead of myself. False humility. Don't be driven by fear and so scared to do something and go, well, I'm just humble. I don't want to be up front all the time or oh, I can't play the keys very well. I can't sing well, so I won't do it. Or, oh, sorry, not well. I won't. Um, I, I don't want the glory to come to me, so I'm not going to do it. You're scared or you're full of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He made you bold and strong. And the false humility is something that a lot of people hide behind. And I know that there's, even our youth here have so much to offer. Um, even our adults that aren't already in that space have so much to offer. And if we stand behind humility that's false, you're actually just living in fear. Because God wants to use you. And if you're too afraid to get proud, oh, I don't want to work, walk, be in that space. You know, I've seen it, you know, again, experience. I've seen it go poorly. You've got to address that and quick because it'll stop you doing what God wants you to do and you should be pioneering for him. There'll be so, it'll be, you'll know if this is speaking to you right now, you'll know. This is a big one, ambition for survival. If it brings glory to God that he prospers us, that's great. And that needs to be our prayer. God, if it brings you glory and it, and it advances your kingdom and, it, and by us prospering, then so be it. But if you being glorified by us being destroyed completely brings you glory, then so be it. We cannot have a survival ambition. We can't. Jesus didn't. He knew that it was, his time was limited. And I mean that not that we have a suicide mission, but I mean that there will be something that you need to do that you know that's going to cost. And if you have an ambition for survival, you won't allow it to cost. You won't give it up. Because it's going to cost. People often ask me why I, uh, and, it's, and it's a journey for me still, but why I do so many things or why um, people come and say, oh, are you okay to do this or that? And for me, it's not about survival. And I know that God has also been talking to me about looking after myself, but at the same time, I'm last to his kingdom. And if the kingdom can move forward through me doing something or being tired or whatever it is, and God's still working on me, being healthy so I can continue to do his work. I don't matter in the equation. He wants me in the equation. That's great. And I'm, that's my privilege. But the amazing thing about it is he doesn't want us to fall apart. He doesn't want us to be destroyed. He doesn't want us to, to suffer. But we need to be ready to if we have to. Because that line of I've got to look after myself, God, because you won't, or all Christians that stand up for you get killed, You'll never do anything. You'll never move. There is always risk and always cost. And it's not always going to be as, um, as an extreme. But in every, even, even small um, 
small conversations that people have at work, if you're not willing to for it to cost and lose a little bit there because you're about to, to become vulnerable with someone or tell them something about God and it's going to put you in a place where they're going to see that you're that your reputation hasn't preceded you the way it should and you're going to have to put yourself forward and say, I'm actually a Christian. They go, but what about all this other stuff? You need to be ready to to realize that um, it's not about you and the things that you've done before. And it's going to cost you, but that's okay. If God puts you in that place, it's going to cost. And so we've got to get to that place. And we've touched on this already, but pride and glory. And the moment we become more confident than Godfident, that's not my word, the moment we become more confident then confident you're in trouble. And it, it's pretty self-explanatory, but the moment you wake up every morning um, or you wake up in the morning and start thinking that you are something special without God, you're in real trouble. And the interesting thing is he loves you enough to let you fall over and let that, um, well, let it hurt because it's going to hurt. And we have to remain Godfident and I mean that in a way that it often looks um, arrogant or, or full of pride, but it's the only thing we can be proud about purely is how good God is and how good he is in your life. So when things happen and people go, well, that's so good, you can be proud of what God's doing in your life, but that's about the only time. Confident in God. And don't allow your confidence in yourself to be greater than that of the, your confidence in God. You guys get it. Okay, so this is where it, I've struggled with people. In the early days of these giftings, what I have noticed is that these people appear to be head in the clouds. And I mean that in the evangelicals and the apostolic people, that when you're around them, they are, it's almost like they're not there. Has anyone ever noticed that? Sometimes those people that are really chasing this stuff, it's like they're not existent with you in this space. And there's a reason for that. I couldn't work out what it was for a long time, but now I understand it. So I really believe that they're not meant to remain with their head in the clouds. Okay, let me just put that out there. I don't believe they're meant to remain that way, but I think in the early days, and this is just speaking from my, what I have picked up and what I think God's shown me, um, discern all your own stuff. But I believe that as these people begin to see that the grand, if the clouds are God's picture, God's picture is actually earth. And is actually what he wants to do here on earth. So people might go, well, I'm always looking above. I'm always looking to God. I'm always, I can't enjoy the stuff here. I can't be here on Sunday. I'm meant to be out doing this stuff. Or I can't have lunch with you without switching off about blah, 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 blah. God is here. And God's not up in the clouds. God's here. And the more, the more I think we mature and see that the clouds is not where God wants us. He actually wants us here and to be a part of this world and to be a part of this body and that, that community is important and that we're not all um, Apostle Paul and we don't all have to journey the earth with nothing. That's when I think we, we start to move into a place of maturity where we know how to use that gift without just being distant all the time and thinking about grander things and it disconnects you from everyone that's around you. I don't know if anyone else has experienced that, but it's as if these people look through a different scope. And that's okay. If you have this, if you're gifted that way, some people look through a different scope, like the evangelicals can't switch off. You'll be walking around with them and they're looking around for people to go and speak to. Like, I want to go see a movie. They're looking around for people. I want to go and have some lunch. They're still trying to listen to other people's conversations. Like, 
they struggle to switch off. That's okay. They're just looking through a different scope. Their priorities are different. And, but they're sold out for that thing and that's okay. But what it does generate is a, a, a space. And I'll, I'll touch on the space. There's a gap between, in particular for the apostolic people, there's a gap that forms between <clears throat> what, and this young guys and girls, this is really important for you as well. What is and what could be. And in between that gap, you'll find yourself if you are gifted that way. Because you realise that you're here and now, but here and now doesn't look like how you know it should look. And that's really, really hard. Because you look at it in people's relationships, their marriages, their, their family life, um, your work, their work life, everything. The church, you go, but this isn't what the Spirit said. And you see it said all the time in little bits here and there of things that are just going horribly. Um, well, it's not little bits, it's all over the joint. And you realise where we are and where we could be. And some people don't think like that. Some people, the, you know, the pastorally minded people are focused on the here and now and that's good. It's all different, but realise that if you're in this space, you will find yourself in between what is and what could be. And it's really hard because you are looking to what God's going to do and what he wants to do. But sometimes you don't always see it happen. And that's when you need to have faith. Faith of the long middle between where you're not seeing it happen, but you stand in faith and go, I'm not, God, I know that you're going to do this stuff. And I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep pioneering forward for this, even though everyone says, I can't see it. Well, sometimes you can't see it either. But you know it's there. And you know that his word said it's there. So you just keep going. And you keep pushing. People go, what, why, do you, why, you know, why do they push? What, where are they going? And your head's in the clouds. You seem foolish. You're not. And in that gap is sometimes where you have to stay and understand that God's in the gap too. He's not, he's not just at one end or the other. He's there too and he goes, he understands. What you're feeling is here how he feels about the journey toward what he wants. And that's what the pioneers do. They are part of the journey from what is to what can be. And the reason the evangelist is, this sounds more apostolic right now, but the evangelist is in the same spot where they see someone where they are and realise where they can be. And there's a gap. And it pains the evangelist because they love and they want to see them, they want to see that gap filled. And they often stand in that gap and want to bring the person along with, and that's why, that's why these people are so intense because they literally are standing in the gap like they're the ones in that space. And that's why, I don't know, for myself, I found it hard to relate to the evangelist because I don't, I don't often find myself in that gap and I don't know how to relate to them in this intense moment. But they've just got to go. And, and that's just that part of the body. And I just thank God that's not my part all the time. It's a five-fold ministry like we've spoken about before that there are times where we need to be re very ready. We cannot put a label on ourselves as I'm the pastor or I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. God will use you however he wants to use you. And you need to be really ready to be used how he wants you to be used. Okay? Do you want to jump up for a sec, Dan? So... Dan and Nath went off to YWAM together. Nath went to Bethel. Daniel went back to YWAM. I believe that there's a very um, evangelistic gift upon Daniel. And I believe that there's two scales to this gift as well. I know there's, I know there's a whole heap in between, but I, I, there's two examples that really jumped out to me from Jesus' walk about what this gift looks like. Great commission. I haven't told Daniel a heap about this either, so great commission. What do you mean? Just what, what does it mean to you? Get everyone saved, I guess, and... 
fulfills a great commission. But there's two like two parts to it as well. Like going, you know, Matthew talks about going out and try to remember. Like it's I guess the Matthew part of the commission was more like let's go out and get people saved and then when you talk about him is the other one in Mark? Yeah. It's more like the power, like go and like I give you full permission. So like let's go and get people saved and then here's the power, you know what I mean? So to get people saved. What why? Aside from the fact that he said to do it, he tells you not to swear. Do you swear? No. Do you swear? We all swear. Occasionally, you've sworn before. He said, "Don't, st- you know, don't swear." So, but he told you. So the great. Com- well, why go out and say? Why? Why go out and swear? No, no. <laughs> I'm so confused. Why go out and say? Why? Oh. Um, what is it? Well, essentially. Uh, like to give the heart of God to people yeah. and to be like, well, I can be in between where, like, that's me, like, I'm in the gap, like, from where I can be to where, you know, you can be the person that gets him there, you know? Yeah, yeah you just feel it. Like, if you, like, I, I don't want to generically just say you're this, but if you like evangelism and you feel like you're called to it, and we, then you'll feel it. Like, you'll communicate differently. And like you say, it's like when I go to the cinemas, I'm not thinking about, watching the movie I'm thinking about let's get some people you know like I'm not saying we have to walk in a like safe way and everyone's got to be in the spirit on the ground going nuts like it's like yeah it'd be cool I, I wish that would happen cool you're good thanks <laughs> cheers so we've, we've got Daniel's passion here but the, my example and I've spoken to Daniel about this bit that I'm going to talk about him without him being able to say anything to me is that Daniel, when speaking, is very passionate about this and you go, well, I've already made the point that we, we do some things that we're meant to do and then the other things that God tells us to do, we don't do. And I really believe that it's a gifting and this is how I'm going to prove it is because Daniel, I've got to be careful with my words here. When I said, Daniel, what is, what is it, you know, an uh, evangelist? And he goes, oh, well-spoken, really good social skills, you know, really understands what to do, when to, when you when to do it. Really talking about a real smooth operating unit here. And I'm like, Dan, that's not you. <laughs> that's not you. And like, it's not. I've seen you do things and I'm like, how is this the evangelist? How, how can you speak to people on the street about the gospel when I just saw you do that? I'm not even, even going to describe what, he's, what he does. But he's himself. And this is how I know it's the gifting of God because then he can be my uh, embarrassing little brother who's bigger than me and then he turns around and he's the evangelist. This is how I know it's God's gifting because it works. I've seen, I've seen conversations just struck up instantly straight into the gospel. I can't do that. Not unless God really prompts it and sets it up for me. It's just not the same for me. And um, like it happens, but there's those people that you can separate the gift from who they are and you go, they don't make any sense. I know that when Matt first started preaching, he said he doesn't. He, it's really not his thing. But I've not, I haven't met a teacher who's got the same skill set in that area that God's gifted him in teaching, showing things from the Bible and His Word that, that I just miss and gla- glance over. Now I say this not to lift people up and glorify them. I say this because it's God's glory and it's His gifting that brings this stuff out in people, and He does this to edify His body. He does this because we need a teacher. We need the evangelists. We need the apostolically gifted people. We need these people. And it doesn't take the person's personality to be okay all the time for these things to work. That's my point. 
because I've seen it poles apart and still the evangelist comes through and still the person is receiving from God, even though I'm like, how is that happening? How is this person preaching? How, blah, 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 blah. You, you, we've all seen it. it. They don't always make sense. And that's how you know like it's, it's God's gifting on them. They're, he's anointing. And sometimes the personality does match it, but a lot of the times I've seen it doesn't. And that's okay. It means we get to rely just on him because your skill set's not there. But he has the, the, the gift there for you to use. It makes it easy for us. So the two examples here are just for the evangelists, for those who are toying with this. In Matthew 5, we hear, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is when Jesus spoke to the multitude. So in that time, he's not just speaking to them like a normal church service and reminding them of things that they already know. A lot of, a lot of what he was doing was giving them new revelation every time, um, breaking all, just about everything he did was breaking down the old Jewish tradition and the old law and fulfilling it and showing them. So it was new stuff. So he was evangelizing to thousands at that point. Yet then you have a point, Luke 19, 1, he speaks to one man in a tree, Zacchaeus. Why didn't he just speak to Zacchaeus in the crowd? It's because Jesus knows, what well, well, I believe he showed us, is that there is a time for both. And that if you're the evangelist, or you have that on your heart, I know in particular that um, Daniel expressed to me that he feels he has the heart for the one, just the one person. And God might use him in a bigger way, in, in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God, the one is as important as the, what does he say about the flock? So if you have that on your heart, know that you don't have to be the preacher. You don't have to be all this other stuff. If God has an evangelistic gifting on your life, you can be for the one this day and the next day and the next day. That's okay. That's fine. And that we need that because even Jesus did it. If Jesus didn't do this, you could say, oh, there's different levels of evangelists. No, I'd say there's different types of evangelists doing different things, reaching different people. Okay. We've touched on this already, but looking ahead, often an apostle is leading to a destination that they haven't themselves been to. And um, my example of that is David. Now, David, is, can, he is a type of Jesus in a lot of ways. But in, in for this circumstance, in just this, just the one thing, he, it says he ran toward the giant. He didn't creep up to the giant and talk to the giant. He... Can David see that the giant's going to fall? Of course not. He's fought bears and lions and everything else, but he's never killed a 10-foot-tall Palestinian before. In fact, I don't think he'd even killed a man by this stage. He definitely hadn't ever chopped a giant's head off. Yet he ran toward the giant as though he was going to do it anyway. I think sometimes we put this idea in our own minds that, oh, well, if... If I'm apostolically gifted or if I'm this, I'm that, I'll see the vision. I'll see the picture ahead of me and I'll know what to go for. You don't always know. He knew that he had to kill the Palestinian. That's all he knew. He knew that he was going to use his sling and throw a rock at his head. That, to me, does not show any image of him killing the greatest giant warrior of the Palestinian army. There was no vision of that. But there was his prompting from God... Goliath um, defiled God in front of him and he said that on this day I'm going to cut your head off and then ran at him. That is, that's what an apostle looks like or an apostolic person or a pioneer looks like. When the evangelist goes to speak to someone, they don't speak to them knowing that they're going to become a Christian. They still speak to them and they still go ahead. They don't know what it's going to look like and that's okay. And sometimes that cannot slow us down. 
just because we don't know what it looks like. If we don't know what Catalyst is going to look like next week, we can't change our plans now because we don't know what it's going to look like then. We have to keep pushing forward now, knowing that what God has for us is better. And we're moving toward him. And we don't always know what the picture looks like, but we know what we have to do. And we have to step. Moses, he hit a rock with a stick and water come out. He didn't know it was definitely going to come out. But he just smacked a wooden stick on a rock and water came out of it. When they crossed the sea, they just put their feet in first. They didn't know. They didn't have a picture. God didn't show them a YouTube video of a healing happening before it happened. But they still did it. And this is, this is the point that we can't live our life um, schooled by the ideas of what have been or what we have seen or what experience has shown us because it won't get you anywhere. We benefit from other people doing that, but those people didn't have that. They pioneer without it, and that's what we have to learn how to do, to pioneer without those things. They had never seen a sea split before, but it split. No one had ever seen water pour out of a rock enough to feed a whole nation, and it did. These are the things we have to remember, that these, they aren't just stories just to glorify God. They're, they're stories to show us how to pioneer and how to edify this body because that's what it is all about moving to a place where we grow and we equip the saints and we are the saints. We're equipping each other with our own gift set so that we can expand the kingdom. And as Matt talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's not about this body right here or each church getting a bit stronger and a bit more tightly knit. That's not it at all. It's about us getting strong enough that the borders are advancing all the time. And that's the kingdom. That's glorifying him. So when you... When you uplift someone in their gift mix, know that you're not trying to pump them up in pride. Know that God doesn't want them to be pumped up with pride. But when you talk about that and you give them confidence in their gift and confident in God, their gift will edify the body. It's okay to say to someone, you sound great when you sing that God has given you an amazing voice. It's okay. And that is a, when, when they're gifted in that way, it edifies the body. And that's all right. Cannot be ashamed if God made us or we're just doing the devil's job for him. So just be very careful of that. So this was a really big one and this is one I um, had to go back and forth, back and forth. And I'm telling you, Google is definitely not your help all the time because there are some whack jobs out there with trying to understand hierarchy and, and, and their experience versus what God says. So just be very careful, okay? So in 1 Corinthians 12, 28... It talks about how these things have been given out. And God has anointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Right there we have a hierarchy. There is the word first, second, third. Why don't you just use a comma? Why don't you just list them, healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of gifts? Different translation, change translation, it's much the same. And you're right, contextually it does sound a little bit different. But I have found the gem. And it's not a nice gem. I will explain the gem. There is a hierarchy and there is a different level of portion given. And first and foremost, we have to realize that the Spirit gives it, not us. So we don't have the right to go, why does Noel have more than I do? First and foremost. We just need to build Noel up in what he does. I can't say to him, I can ask God. I don't know what he's going to say. I bet you you're asking the wrong question and he'll give you a different answer. But he gives it, and that's what we have to live with. He gave him, and he can take him away, and this is what he has given to us. So we need to be ready and suited to that. 
but it also talks about desiring the greater gifts. Well, if there was no hierarchy, what's this greater gift about? It talks about the greatest of all these is love as well. And um, the reason I really struggle with this is because there's so many different things that come into all this. But what it really boiled down to in the end is when God says desire the greater gifts, what he's really saying is desire to give more to me. Because the greater gifts cost more. The apostles are the ones who got stoned. The evangelists are the ones who get their head chopped off in Iraq. You know, the, the ones that are doing the administration are doing God's work. Don't get me wrong. And there is, no, there is no level of how you serve him that's different to another. In his eyes, he's pleased. He says that it only takes faith to please him. But he's pleased. But there are gifts that cost more. And that's why I wrote earlier, ambition for survival, it cannot be a part of it if you're desiring the greater, greater gifts because he's going to ask for it. He's going to ask for co- I'm scared saying this stuff because just after learning about it, then I read, oh, I should desire the greater gifts. First of all, I thought it was all the same. Second of all, I'm meant to desire these things. But then he teaches me that they cost more. So he's asking me to desire to give more away. Well, that's not comfortable either. You might see more power with the greater gifts and you might see more things in the world's eyes that look greater, but they're going to cost a heck of a lot more. And that's what we have to be ready for. And the upside is, and the joyful thing about that is, he's actually asking you to give more. He's not saying, I'll give you this, but it's a trade-off, you're going to die. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, it's going to be awesome when you give more to me. And in doing that, you will often operate in these gifts. That's why this is such, you know, with our language, it's hard. It's not at all talking about a hierarchy in the way that one gift is more important than the other. We know, and it's, it's been spoken to death, that we know that we cannot do this without each other, that every gift is, has its place and is important. But the ones that he is asking us to desire for are going to cost us more, and he wants it to cost us because it costing us makes us more like his son. Does that make any sense? Did his son give it all up? That's right, he did. So when we, we give more to him, we're more like his son, and that's what we're modelled on. Okay. So that's what it came to in the end, that being more like him means giving more and desiring, these, desiring to give more. Forget the word great. Desiring to give more for him. And the evangelists give. If you've ever seen an evangelist shot down in conversation they give it's pretty humiliating and the apostolic give in its purest form an apostle often lives by themselves they don't even have a church that they live in um and they're you know paul's a perfect example paul's life sucked it was tough but it was rich and it was worth it and he says that none of these things are going to be counted they can't even count them towards the glory that, that god will show him and these things don't even count as worth, they're not even worth talking about. And now that's someone who, and we all know how bad Paul's life was. Like everything that could happen just about did happen. And still he says it counted as loss, as nothing compared to the glory of God and what he's going to see. And that's where our heart needs to go to. But realize it's going to cost and it's worth the cost. Does that mean that in hearing this, you're instantly there? No, this is going to be a journey a journey to realize that cost is necessary and that cost often sometimes is God smashing things out of your life that aren't of him. 
That's a really hard place. I mean, put your hand up if you've got things in your life God needs to smash. I'm not going to look at anyone. <laughs> but there's things. There's things. And the moment we realize that the cost is worth it because the gifts are worth it, it's okay. And we can get to that place. Yeah. I might finish on that. It is, a, as I found out, a huge, huge topic. And um, both, I haven't done even half justice to the, all, the, all the different parts of these two giftings and, and, and all the different, what it looks like and all the different types and how they work and how they work together and all the rest. So you're going to have to journey. All I'm doing is reminding you of the good things that your father's already given. But don't forget them and realize that they can cost and it's worth the cost. So journey a bit more yourself, especially young guys, if you feel any prompting inside of you, chuck your hand up later and we'll have some people come around and pray with you. Don't let the enemy steal away from you what you believe is true. And this stuff is true. So yeah, I'll just quick I'll just close in prayer on that. Lord, I just thank you that um, Father, that, that all these gifts are parts of you. I thank you that the things that we that we grasp, Lord, you're you're the one offering them to us, and that we can come and humbly thank you for those things, Lord, and ask that you would help us to understand them, God. Help us to understand, Lord, that these gifts aren't actually for us, they're for your kingdom. And that it's actually about us giving glory to you in the everyday, Lord, in all the small things. Lord, that's what we've heard from the beginning of this service to the end is that you, that your glory is shown in even all the small things. So, God, I just want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you that these gifts are about edifying your body, your kingdom of God, and advancing those borders, Lord. And in that place, it may cost, but it's worth it, God. I just ask that you would help to explain that to our hearts more so, Lord, after this. And Lord, I just want to ask in particular for the younger younger guys and girls, Lord, that you would show them inside of them, if any of this is speaking to them, Lord, that you would not let these things be squashed out by experience or the enemy or the world or, or anyone else, Father, that you would let this be protected, that you would let this grow within them and they would keep pioneering for your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen.